Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. We are starting a brand new series on the life of David from the Old Testament today. And uh, I want to ask you a question. Do you ever feel insignificant? What I mean is, uh, do you ever feel like, um, you know, making a difference in the world, helping things change, doing something important? That, that's for other people. Well, we're going to tell a story over the next eight weeks about a guy who went from completely insignificant to a king to a hero. And he also made some staggering mistakes, had some massive failures to the point that he kind of wrecked his life. This series, series is called The Shadow King. Because even in the chaos that David turned his life into, we get glimpses all along the way of the coming King of Kings, the coming perfect King, Jesus the Messiah, the Savior. So my question to you today, though, is what do you do when you're feeling insignificant? I I believe that God has a lot to say to you and me. And today we're going to look at some keys to becoming an unlikely Hero. So uh, the story starts in the 11th century BC. It's a very violent time. It's hard to get our arms around that kind of world, but it was extremely violent. There were battles being fought often and most often hand to hand combat. It was bloody. It was rough. There was a lot of death. And the nation of Israel was getting pushed around. And they, they, they'd had a series of judges, not kings, which God had instituted, but they uh, began looking around at all these other countries and they all had kings. And so Israel began to cry out, hey, give us a king like uh, the other nations have. And the prophet Samuel had told them, we don't need a king because God himself is our king. And Samuel had anointed his three sons to, to help lead Israel. And they really weren't doing a great job. But Samuel was mad that the people wanted a king because he knew where this would lead. So he went to God and God said, Samuel, they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. So go and tell the people what a king is going to require of them. But if they continue asking, then give them what they want. And so Samuel, the prophet of Israel, goes to the people and he says, if you have a king, here's what's going to happen. He's going to take your fields and his crops for himself. He's going to take your field animals for himself. He's going to take your sons. He's going to put them on the front lines of the battle and he's going to take your women for himself. But they said, we don't care. We want a king, just like all the other nations. And so he can lead us into battle. And and, and Samuel, Israel's prophet, he's mad, but he anoints a king named Saul. And Samuel and Saul are connected at at the hip for decades together. And basically Saul is a self-absorbed, narcissistic failure. It gets worse and, and worse and worse. And the ending of Saul's kingship is so dramatic that Saul ends up disobeying God. And so God rejects Saul and Samuel mourns. Saul's still technically king, but but Samuel mourns his decision. He mourns for the nation of Israel. He mourns for his present and for their future. But, and and, and this is recorded in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. Here's, Here's what happens. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn 
for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. God had already moved on from Saul, but Samuel was, was mourning. Samuel had found Saul. He'd spent time with him. He'd anointed Saul king of Israel, and he probably felt like his reputation was tied in with Saul's. Mourning over lost time, over his failure, over the, and, and the fact that he felt something for Saul. Meanwhile, God was saying, it is time to move on. But Samuel had a hard time with that. So let me, let me stop right there and ask you something. What are you trying uh, yourself to do because of tradition or loyalty that, that is probably misplaced or, or because the pain of moving on seems too great? What are you holding on to when God and his love for you and his sovereign plan is saying, hey, it's time to let go? What are you still mourning that God wants you to move on from? There's a time for mourning for sure, but there's also a time for it to come to an end and you may not feel like you're strong enough for that. Often God just is saying, trust me, I have something good ahead. And he, he was saying to Samuel, I have something better for Israel ahead, but you'll never get to experience it if you don't let this go. Is there anything that you need to let go of today? God said, I, I want you to go to this man, Jesse. I've decided that one of his kids is going to be king, to which Samuel replied, you know that's going to make King Saul mad, right? But God said, just do what I say and go. The Lord said, uh, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one that I indicate. And Samuel, it says, did what the Lord said. He goes to this town called Bethlehem. You've heard of Bethlehem, right? Well, the elders of that town are scared. They're like, why is Samuel, Israel's prophet here? Samuel calms them down. He says, hey, I'm here in peace. It's a sacrifice to the Lord. Will you join me in making a sacrifice? So he invites Jesse and his sons to the sacrifice, just as God had told him to do. And so there's this kind of dance going on between them and the people around Samuel aren't really sure what's going on, why he's here, to be honest, and neither is Samuel, he's just doing what God has told him to do next. But here's the thing. God always, always, always has a plan. And Samuel doesn't know what God is up to yet exactly. He doesn't know who he's supposed to go anoint as king. God keeps just giving him the next step. It's hard for us to see the next step, isn't it? Especially when things are going sideways in, in life. But you can be confident that God always knows what's going on. He always has a plan and he will give you the next step. Maybe not all the steps, but like if you're a student and you're uncertain about your future, you can trust that God will give you the next step. I have a son who's going to be making some college decisions soon. And when, when I was in high school and trying to figure out college, I can tell you this, God didn't come along and say, hey, here's your career and your house and who you're going to marry and your kids and the town you're going to live in. No, he just eventually showed me, here's the college that's next for you. Now, I could have been asking, what about my career? He was saying, I'll show you that later. What about my wife? I'll show you that later. But what about my job, the city I'm going to live in? What, what about a family? Later, 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 all those things later. God delights in not showing us everything because sometimes he wants us to, he like to be surprised. He wants to surprise us with his goodness. 
but he always knows what he's doing. He always, always has a plan. And his invitation is to do what I've put in front of you. Trust me with the rest. So the story continues. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He was tall, handsome, firstborn, the son that he comes in. Samuel does what we all do. We judge things based on what we see. We make assumptions based on the outward appearance of things. We all do it. How often is your first impression about somebody related to their outward appearance? It's like 100% of the time. Right? That's about right. Or or be honest, does your opinion change based on when you find out something like how much money they have? Or based on what kind of car they drive or what kind of clothes they wear? We make judgments that affect how we see one another. And sometimes those first judgments last forever. But it says this, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, at the end of your life, whether you consider yourself successful or not will be determined more on what has happened on the inside of you than on the outside of you. When you're, when you're lying there thinking back on your life, you will see it differently. The significance and success that you feel will come from the places that no one else can see. It will come from your character and relationships and your integrity. Character has been defined, by the way, as who you are when nobody's looking. Like when no one is looking, do you cheat on the test, on your taxes, on relationships? Um, is your prayer life richer when nobody's looking than it is in public? Is, is your spiritual life tied up in, in doing things like going to church or attending an event rather than in just learning how to be with Jesus? There's, there's a truth here that I want you to see, and it's this. The quality of your inward world will determine the potential for your outward success. Now, that's good news. The richness of your inner life is more important than the richness of your bank account. It puts everyone on level playing field because while you may or may not be able to develop your outer life, like your wealth, your looks, controlling other people's impressions of you, you can control the quality of your life on the inside. And God's primary concern is your heart. And your heart, in God's hands, is an unstoppable combination. God's not like, hey, too bad you aren't rich, like I could do so much with you then, or too bad you don't look like uh, Ryan Gosling. I could do so much with you. He says, I've given you everything you need to be successful already. So get to work on the inside of your life. You don't need a, a home gym or a business degree or a stock portfolio, or you don't need to be younger. You don't need to be older because right now your heart in God's hands is an unstoppable combination. Well, uh, the story goes on. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then uh, Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's, in, he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and he had him brought in. He was glowing with health 
and he had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. And he was overlooked and they thought, why, why, why would this kid be the one? So he wasn't even there. He was out tending the sheep and Samuel was learning. So he waited and a young kid comes in. The Lord says, this is the one. And the moral of the story is not that you need to be young, but that God delights in doing great things through unlikely people. In verse 13, so Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And that's the scene like, like from Samuel's eyes, but imagine it from David's eyes that day for, for a minute. All David could see was a field and a flock. All he could see with his limited scope was a bunch of like dumb animals around him. All he could see was the hillside and he was just searching the hillside for wolves. All, all he could smell was dirt and sheep. And if he sat there and he thought too much about his future, he was probably discouraged. Maybe he even looked up to the heavens and he said, God, where is all this going? I feel like there's, there's, there's more to me than this, but what am I supposed to do? I'm stuck. I'm in the middle of nowhere. I, I can't even get mom and dad to even listen to me. And, and he has no idea what was going on behind the scenes. That whole story I just told you, young, young David has no idea. He has no idea the preparations that God is making behind the scenes for him. But it turns out that God's prophet, God's very own prophet was waiting for him standing there. What do you think's waiting behind the scenes in your life? And maybe you feel like you're in an era of waiting right now. Maybe like David, you, you'll get a huge glimpse of it in one meeting, or, or maybe you'll just get bits and pieces. I don't know. God and, and people he's lining up to be a part of your future are out there right now. So David goes on to be king. And it was a, a far from perfect road. He had a lot of lows. He made some mistakes. He made some really bad choices that we're going to talk about. But he also honored God and he loved the people around him. And he built something great. And he led people closer to God. And David set the stage for Jesus, the Messiah, for the King of Kings to come and to change our world forever. David was an unlikely hero. So how about you, right? How about, how about me? When you feel like there's no hope, God's just getting started. When you feel stuck at a dead end, just trust that God is getting ready. Can you do that? Getting ready to invite you into his bigger future. You might feel insignificant, but that's when God is doing his best work. But to see that will take some things from you and from me. It might take moving on from what you've been mourning for too long. Might take trusting that God always, always, always has a plan. Might mean focusing for a while on the quality of your inner world. It might just take coming home. You, you want to live the life of an unlikely hero? It starts really by coming home. Now, David did that physically, but it may be time for you to do that spiritually. You can come home spiritually by recognizing that Jesus died for you, that he wants to live through you and give you all the rights of being a son, being a daughter of his. And he is inviting you to simply say, yes, I'm coming home, Jesus.
I want to invite you to start fresh today by saying yes to Jesus. Can I pray for us? God, right now, um, there are some who are listening and watching who have been wandering around and it feels like we've been that lost sheep out on the hillside and, um, or maybe just a wandering shepherd boy who doesn't understand clearly or see clearly what you're doing. And your invitation to us is to come to Jesus and in doing so, come home, to turn our lives over to you, to trust you with our present and our future and to trust you with our past and the mistakes that we've made and to trust that on the cross, you did away with those things. You did away with our sin. You did away with death forever that we get to have a relationship with you. So on behalf of my friends who are looking to come home, I just say on behalf uh, that you can just say these words, yes, I'm inviting you, Jesus, into my life. I want a relationship with you. God, for those of us who are in a place where, like David, we, we just feel insignificant, God, would you show up in a powerful way and give us our next step and remind us that you always, always have a plan that you're working things out behind the scenes and that you want to take our meager offering of life and do something incredible with it. We thank you for that, God. We pray in the awesome name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.